Hello, everyone, and welcome to the inaugural episode of our Season Gaming Interviews. So as you know, we tend to keep you updated on happenings in the industry and what developers are up to. But we're going to start a new series where we have one-on-one uh, -on -one conversations with key players across the industry and players that we think have relevance to our audience. So tonight, I have the pleasure of speaking with Anthony Palma, who is the CEO of Jump, the new indie game service that just launched a couple months ago. And we're going to be talking through the platform, how they got started, and uh, how you can get involved or, or play their games. So how are you, Anthony? I'm doing great, Ainsley. How are you? Very well. And uh, I'll probably say this many times, but thank you for, uh, for agreeing to do this. And, of course. Um, thanks for having me. So, Anthony, I want to kind of start from the beginning. So um, did my homework here and I, uh, I kind of looked up that you actually founded, if I'm correct here, and you can keep me honest, founded an indie game company called Kermdinger Studios back in 2012. And um, based on what your, your kind of experience with, uh, with the indie game development scene and what you were seeing out of other developers, um, you saw that there were some struggles around uh, discoverability, if I'm correct there, and um, mm -hmm. you know how indie developers or smaller developers were getting their games in front of an audience. And so that led you to, you know, talking about or starting to think about creating the jump platform uh, back in 2014. Is that right? Yeah, yeah. The idea kind of cropped up then. So uh, you're right. We, we founded this company as the game dev studio uh, back in 2012 when we were still in grad school. Uh, my founders and I went to uh, Carnegie Mellon. They have a master's of entertainment technology there. And we saw that the indie game market was really blossoming around 2012, right? The, the major hits had come out and it was getting to the point where the tools were easy enough for almost anybody to get into it. And so we were on that front end of, of really the, the indie renaissance where anybody could start developing and some awesome games were coming out. Uh, but around the time that we were getting ready to launch our game, which was called Stunt Runner, uh, in probably mid to late 2013, it was also the time that Greenlight started to hit on Steam. Uh. And that was kind of a monumental shift in the industry and especially in indie game discoverability and distribution because all of a sudden anybody could get their game onto Steam. And previously, if you got your game onto Steam, you were guaranteed a certain amount of success, right? You had passed Steam's quality bar. Your game was going to be in front of an audience in a very small amount of games that we knew were high quality. That was kind of the, the beauty of Steam is that every game on it at that point was a great game. Um, and with Greenlight and now with Steam Direct, it's kind of continued in the same direction. Um, almost anybody can get a game onto Steam now, and it doesn't necessarily have to be a good game. And we've seen that trend in from great indies down into what I would consider is a lot of shovelware with great indies kind of interspersed. And so great indie games are now getting buried, right? And, and we saw that we were going to get buried if we launched um, around that time. So. Uh, 2014 was kind of an exploratory year for us. We were poking around, still looking at shipping the game. You know, we were looking at bringing it to PlayStation Vita. Um, we had it on a dev kit and we're ready to go. And then we had this idea towards the end of 2014 when we started to see some tech trends happening, uh, mainly when Unity announced that they were going to start supporting WebGL as an export. And we were like, oh, cool, what do you do with a web build? Uh, of a Unity game, and the answer is nothing. You can put it up on <laughs> Congregate, right? It was like a demo thing you can put on your website, but there wasn't anything to do. We're like, but that's it's such cool technology. You can export to web, and then it'll run on basically any device, hmm. right? It, it runs on desktop very well. They're experimenting with mobile. There's web VR. There's all sorts of cool stuff. What we found was this huge gap in um, both a multi-platform discoverability-based service um, and, and being able to get your game out across multiple platforms in an easy on-demand way, 
Um, and also just that there was no Netflix for games kind of subscription service that had really worked across multiple platforms. There was one here and one there on different platforms that were maybe only specifically for that platform, or the tech didn't work very well because it was stream-based. So at the, um, the end of uh, 2014, and we saw the opportunity to build what is now Jump. So we started working on it uh, almost three years ago, and uh, we launched it on September 19th. All right. So it's interesting. Uh, you know, I guess probably most of the audience, most people, uh, even gamers, wouldn't really uh, correlate the fact of uh, Steam Greenlight with what we're seeing now on Steam, which, as you rightly said, is a lot of shovelware, right? I mean, I think it's something like Steam released something like 6,000 games last year, um, yeah. something of that nature. And if you're, you know, one of the, what, 4,500 or 5,000, uh, it's really hard to get noticed. So it's, that's interesting. I hadn't thought about it that way. Um, so you said, uh, you know, the team came together in, in late 2014. And one of the things reading through all the bios of your team members and, and everything behind the, the founding of Jump, I saw, is that you guys have a ton of both video game industry and corporate experience. Um, which was really interesting, right? So like, I, for instance, I saw references to Sega and PlayStation and Ubisoft and Crystal Dynamics and even uh, BMW. Um, right. So I, I wanted to get or understand how, you know, how did you or how did the group come together? Um, and how did you get that kind of, it seems like an awful little load of talent behind the company. Yeah, I'm still surprised that some of these guys <laughs> get to work with on a daily basis because I came straight out of grad school and founded a company that really didn't work if you think of it as an indie studio first. And this is our second, right? So. Gotten very lucky on that front, but uh, so we bootstrapped this, just uh, me and, and uh, three others, beginning of 2017. So we had like built some prototypes and shopped it around to investors. We raised around the funding earlier this year around March, and that's when we got to hire some people like Cindy on the call, who's our, our um, VP of comms and events. Um, she comes from EA and Ubisoft in the past as their global PR manager, as, as an example, right? And so what we found is people in the right time in their careers to, to give it a shot with a startup, but who had also always had a passion to get kind of beyond just games or just um, e-commerce platforms. And so we're very lucky to pull these people in. A lot were from recommendations through our advisory board. Um, that was something that was a huge um, bonus. I got a suggestion from one of our investors that said, put together a bunch of industry experts and you never know what kind of advice or connections they'll have for you. And we ended up hiring maybe three or four out of our uh, nine full-timers that um, came from recommendations. So um, that was a great way to, to just find people at the right point in their career that were also interested in doing more than just a, an individual game at a time. Um, and then the, the development team, this is not really a, a gaming play from the software development perspective. It's more of a subscription platform across multiple devices. And it's all web-based. So um, funny enough, my cousin-in-law is a 20-year web developer that's worked <laughs> on uh, BMW's website and Petco e-commerce platforms and things. So um, that was another just luckily personal connection. But then you know the network is what helps with a lot of the rest. So of course. Um, everybody joined probably in a two-month span between March and May. Um, and we retooled everything that we had between then and September for launch. So it was a, it was a hell of a six-month sprint, that's for sure. Yeah, um, you know, we were talking earlier about being in project management. That sounds extremely tight from a timeline <laughs> perspective. Yeah, yeah, my my dev team would yell at me um, if I could go back and tell them what we were about to do. But we're we're simmering down now. You know, we're we're getting into a nice groove. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. So we're we're in good shape. But it was definitely um, a lot that we got done in six months. I can imagine. So let's uh, well, let's move on to the platform itself. The reason why we're talking, right? So I'm just going to. Um, 
cover the high level details for the audience uh, in case they may not know um, about Jump yet. So it, the long and the short of it is, and we'll get into the details, but the long and the short of it is, uh, as you already kind of said, uh, Netflix type service. And you know, I've seen all these articles of you guys being called the Netflix for games. Um, it is uh, the standard price, which we'll get to as well, is $9.99 a month. You launched with just over 60 games. Um, and there's a couple unique things about your service, right? Um, one, uh, which I've noticed you're quick to point out, it is not a streaming service, right? Um, you deliver the games via HyperJump hyper technology, which I'll let you touch on. Um, and so you also don't really need any hard drive space uh, to run it. You download the Jump Clyde and and uh, play directly from it, which I was doing the other night, actually, which we'll touch on as well. Sure. So um, is there uh, anything i mistaken there? Do you want to talk a little bit about uh, the HyperJump technology and how that delivers games? Yeah, no, you nailed it. So um, HyperJump is actually where the web stuff starts to come into play. So I had mentioned we saw Unity in their WebGL export, and we hired web developers to build the platform. So. Uh, what we've built is uh, a very scalable infrastructure, all based on AWS, that uh, allows us to deliver games in a native web format like HTML5, WebGL, JavaScript, and this new tech called WebAssembly, uh, where we can deliver a single web build of a game to uh, Windows, Mac, and Linux now. Uh, we can go to other devices in the future, which we'll be talking about next year, so I'm sure we'll be able to talk again soon when we announce some things. But what that allows us to do is we can break these games up kind of like websites where we deliver what you need as you need it. So like when you go to a website, it doesn't load 50 pages because there's 50 pages total on the website. It loads the one that you're on. And then as you go to another one, it loads that one. Uh, that's what we do. So the game is broken up into chunks in such a way that we can pull what you need now so that you're up and running in almost any game on the services you saw, I'm sure, in under 60 seconds on any decent connection. Um, and it plays as if it were installed. So you don't need to worry about any latency, no quality issues, none of the stuff that streaming saw because the game actually is running on your device. We're just pulling it down in chunks as you need it. Uh, so it saves you hard drive space because you're not permanently installing games. It saves you data because you're not pulling down the whole game or streaming. And it also gives you that user experience you want of running with no latency and no quality issues. Uh, so what this tech allows us to do is build the user experience that people have always wanted out of a game subscription service, um, which is install quality with no permanent downloads and no long wait times. Um, and so that's what we've ended up with uh, based on this, this web-driven technology. Yeah, I got to say, it's impressive. Um, so I downloaded the client earlier this week. I downloaded it previously. I downloaded it on my new laptop here earlier this week. And um, yeah, I, I may not be the best example because I, I actually went real old school when I was playing a word uh, text-based dungeon game, um, which I was oh, really yeah. I was really enjoying. It's called This Book is a Dungeon, so I'm going <laughs> to give a shout out to him. Um, so that's not the best best test of you know uh, bandwidth or, or latency, but anyway, it it worked flawlessly, um, and I'm having a great time going through there. So. Um, on the development or developer side of it, uh, so you, you've said it's a game sharing platform, and again, keep me honest here on these numbers, but essentially the, the goal here is that developers can put their games on your platform, and there's incentive to do so for two reasons, because one, they're 70% uh, of the revenue of Jump goes to all the developers that are on the, on the platform. That's right. Uh, <clears throat> okay, and that is divided up by playtime. So you look at yep. all the games on the platform and you, you divide it up by playtime. But this also does something really interesting. Um, two things, really, that I found really interesting. I, I hope so others do. Um, 
is that one, it incentivizes people to bring uh, their games to your platform post-release, right? Because you That's may right. have a launch uh, that would, you know, the old model would be you look at your first two weeks of sales, but nowadays it's kind of games as a service that are a little longer in the tail. But as a developer sees that tail kind of decline, uh, they could move it to your platform, get some additional playtime and additional revenue, right? Right, yep. And okay. it's, uh, it's a parallel that we draw, just a real quick note there to make it um, make more sense as to how it works. So we draw a parallel to the movie industry where movies will go to theaters for their premium sales and people buying tickets directly. And as those sales start to dip, they eventually move over to subscription services for the long tail, the HBO, Netflix, whatever it is. And that just doesn't exist for games right now. You know, there's bundle sales and that's pretty much it for games. Um, so this is that filling that gap of, of the long tail revenue opportunity. Yeah, exactly. Um, and then the, the real interesting thing I found uh, in going through some of the information about the platform is uh, in terms of if you think about DLC now, DLC microtransactions, you know, all those things are a huge topic right now. We've talked about them at length on our on our videos and site. But um, I saw you mention on one of your AMAs uh, the fact that if a developer has a game on your platform and they want to bring new content to the game, um, you won't allow them, again, I keep saying keep me honest, but you won't allow them to charge additional money uh, because they're on your platform for a flat fee, right? But what you will do is highlight that the game has new content, which should, in theory, drive additional players and time spent on the game, which in turn will uh, increase revenue, right? Yep, that's exactly right. Uh, and we actually did that with our first game back in November. Uh, we had a game called Necrosphere that released a whole new, I think it, it has five, like four sectors of the world and there was a fifth sector that they added as DLC. So um, we featured them in their own row for a week. Um, and they, we could see that it got significant playtime as opposed to what it was getting the week before. So we wanted to be that pure user experience for gamers where they're paying their monthly fee. It's like Netflix, there's no additional charges or up, upsells for fees or ads or anything like that. You just get everything as it's available. But for developers, we also wanted them to be incentivized to bring DLC to the platform. So this is a nice, what we feel is a nice middle ground, which like you said, should turn into more revenue and more playtime. Right. Um, and for the user, they get more content. Yeah, it's it's really neat. I thought that was something that really jumped out to me because the question always gets asked by nearly everyone, right? Is how do you handle, um, getting money to developers for continuing to produce content. And I think that right. that model's unique. Um, so it'd be interesting to see if we, you know, if that idea kind of spreads elsewhere. But you mentioned, um, you know, the idea of this uh, content delivery method for games is, is in, in its infancy, really, right? We've seen things like, um, you know, Xbox has Game Pass and PlayStation has PlayStation Now, which is a, a revised system that they purchased, you know, years ago. Mm -hmm. um, EA Access is out there, which, again, is a little kind of unique. Um, but, you know, do you want to comment on your theories around how you deliver games and how it functions uh, is rather unique. And and do you see Jump having a uh, advantage in that in that space on how you deliver games compared to some of those competitors? Yeah, uh, we absolutely do have a, a um, an advantage in my opinion, and it's why we went this direction. Because if you look at um, there's one set of delivery services that is pure downloads. So uh, Xbox Game Pass is an example. Uh, you have to download the game up front to be able to play it. Um, and they have other things that I take a little bit of issue with, like rotating games on and off. It's kind of like the League of Legends champions of games. So if you want to keep a game after it's rotating off, you have to buy it. It's The incentives are in the wrong place there. But back to the tech, 
Um, you have to download a game up front before you can play. And if you ever downloaded a game on Xbox, it's a while, right? You have to sit there for 10, 20 minutes waiting for the game to download. Um, so that's an issue in user experience on top of the fact that my Xbox hard drive was full before the service even came out. So I would also have to juggle hard drive space just trying to play the next game that was in the service. So lacking in user experience on that front. And then if you look at the other side of attempts at this type of service, uh, they nail the on-demand aspect where you can quickly get into games, but the problem is they went the streaming route because they looked at Netflix and Spotify and said, oh, we can stream games too. Um, and this goes all the way back to OnLive, right? It's starting in 2008. Yeah, okay. yeah, that's going back. Um, yeah, so uh, people saw what had happened to movies and music, and they tried to apply the same technology to games. But the problem there is with movies and music, you know what's coming uh, because it's the same every time, so you can buffer it up to a certain point, like preload the data. You can't preload games because they're real time. So what ends up happening is there's, an, there's this inherent amount of latency between my inputs being sent to the server, the changes happening on the server, and then them being sent back to me in video form so I can see my changes. And it ends up being kind of a poor user experience where there's an amount of delay that wouldn't be usable for esports, for um, anything that's fast Twitch-based, like a PUBG-type game. Uh, in VR especially, nothing in VR would ever work with streaming because of the latency, everybody would get sick. So what we've done is kind of in the middle where we're still on demand on one hand, but on the other hand, um, we also deliver that great user experience of as if it were installed, right? So we tried to see the problems with both models and find that middle ground where uh, we're still delivering games to you very quickly because the whole point of a subscription service is you can pop in and out, jump in and out of games, right? <laughs> so you get a feel for the name. Um, you can jump in and out of games as much as you want um, without waiting for downloads, but it actually runs correctly and it runs um, as you would expect. So uh, we feel like we have a, a that's probably our biggest advantage um, is the tech. And you know, one final note I can make is that all these other subscription services at this point based on the tech that they've used, they're bound to specific platforms. Um, and that becomes a challenge long-term because Netflix isn't unlimited subscription to movies and, and um, TV shows on my PC, right? It's unlimited subscription to all the content I want on all of my devices. And that was another thing we felt was missing in other attempts at subscription services. And that is, you know, at a high level where we're going. Right now, we're indie games on desktop, but we want to be everything on every device. Very interesting. Um, you had brought up some points there that I hadn't even considered, so it's, uh, it is fascinating. I, uh, one of the questions I was going to get to later, uh, we'll touch on, but uh, you, you touched on there about all games on all devices, so we'll get there. I wanted to ask you, before we get down that route, is uh, you, know, you said you launched on September 19th. Um, I remember it. as you and I were talking about earlier, you know, I was kind of promoting you guys ahead of time um, cause just because I, I love these types of things and new technologies and you're supporting indie developers, which is great as well. Um, so how has it been? You know, we're now what we're coming up on, what, three months since yeah. you've launched? Um, you know, what's the response been like? Are you guys meeting your expectations? Obviously, you're not going to give me details, but I mean, how do you <laughs> feel? How do you feel the response has been from the community? It's been really great. Um, I think there's there's a couple different buckets that we're in the process of checking off. Uh, first, we know that the tech works exactly as we hoped it would. Um, that's a huge bonus for us. So we're feeling really great about the tech side. Do you have a little um, uh, pit in your stomach on launch day? Yeah, I've never launched a, a thousand person <laughs> you know service like this, a multi thousand person. So uh, luckily, my dev team had, and they were like, "Hey, it's going to be fine." But it was nice to see it live. Um, and the day that you mentioned, we we did a Reddit AMA that just ended up blowing up and going to the front page of Reddit for a while. 
we had um, several thousand people sign up that day um, for trial. So uh, we tested the server load, everything worked great. Uh, user response has also been great. I think everybody's responsive and uh, to a service like this. They're looking for something like this to work. Um, so the only feedback we've gotten is that they'd like to see a bigger variety of games because a lot of the games that we have right now are unheard of games, right? We've got some indie hits in there, but a lot of what we have is indie gems. So they're great games, but nobody's ever heard of them. And for people to, for us to be able to compete with other services uh, and really just with purchases in general, for somebody's like hard-earned dollars, it's um, it's got to be the level of content that they want, whether it's numbers or specific types of games. So uh, we've gotten a lot of great feedback. We've tested the load on the service. We've got thousands of people in and out, um, uh, on and off with Jump, which is great. Um, and the next big push is to to scale up the content that we have um, and start marching into to new devices based on the feedback we got. So. Um, couldn't be happier, and I think the you know the other angle of it is from the developer perspective, the community has really embraced us. Um, we have a lot of very positive developers who are being very patient with us as we grow, but also they uh, they talk to each other, which is awesome. So as we recruit more developers, we pull them into a Discord server and they help each other with porting questions. It's a very interactive group, um, and overall, most if not all developers that we've spoken to um, are excited about it because. Uh, we're offering a new revenue opportunity long term, right? And in the short term, since they're taking a risk on us, we do advances on revenue for a lot of these guys, uh, kind of on a case by case basis, so that they feel like uh, their porting and their um, kind of their efforts and in, in any risk they're taking on a new platform are covered. Um, so we try to treat the developer community as well as we could because we were devs, right? We understand a lot of the struggles that they go through, um, and so we've we've tried to frame this as like a for developers by developers kind of platform. Um, and so far, it's uh, it's been received very well in that community, too. Great. Yeah, I was going to ask you about developers as well. So that's good to hear that, uh, you know, both are, are happy there. Um, you mentioned from the development aspect, I, I believe you mentioned you're aiming for somewhere around 10 new games a month. And that way, um, it, it goes back to the discoverability aspect and helping uh, people highlight their games or small developers highlight their games. Is that true? Yeah, so um, we're pulling in around six to ten a month uh, is kind of the average that we're we're doing right now. I think this month we're launching eight, um, and last month I think we also launched eight. So we're right in the the wheelhouse of where we want to be. And the point is, everybody gets their time in the sun. Not only at launch, but the catalog isn't just exploding into six hundred games or um, you know some un like going, un going back to the, to the Steam yeah. thing we talked about, right? Yeah, exactly. Um, so discoverability is a big part of of what we're pushing. In the early days, everybody can get found because there's just a limited amount of content. But even as we grow, we'd still only like to introduce a certain number of games per month so that it doesn't get flooded. And more importantly, we'll always have ways for you to resurface your content, whether it's the DLC um, topic that you mentioned where you can resurface it because you release new content, whether it's holiday campaigns like this game has you know Christmas lights in it, so we'll feature it at Christmas, stuff like that. Or... Uh, uh, the biggest thing is that we'll start getting into kind of algorithm-based uh, recommendations. So we'll look at what you're playing, what people like you were playing, and start to compile like a list of games that you would probably like based on what you played before. Very similar to how Netflix and Spotify recommend stuff to you. Um, so every game in our, um, in our system will always have a chance to get resurfaced at some point. So uh, you're never just going to like launch on Jump, get your week in the main banner, and then get buried. You'll always have ways to get uh, resurfaced to users that would be interested in your game. Uh, and so that's why discoverability, like we talked about, it was a problem that we saw early on. It's it's one of the main focuses of uh, the platform as we grow. So we'll get better at it. It's pretty basic right now, but um, 
recommendation engines and things like that are going to help a ton um, for discoverability in the future. Yeah, that's uh, that's real interesting. I I know that's something that uh, you know the major players like Netflix struggles with that big time, right? Because they're creating yeah. now they're creating so much content, it's it's getting a little crazy. You can't keep up with it, and it's hard to even know what shows are out there. I have my friends text me sometimes saying, "Hey, have you seen this show?" I'm, no, you know yeah. how would I know about it? I feel so. like they've gone. Netflix has gone up and back down on a bell curve. Like there was a while where discoverability got really really good. Yes, and then they started getting into original content, and they're like, I think they're still trying to figure out how to work that in their non-original content that's on their service. Yes. Um, and so, like, I didn't know that half of the Marvel movies were in there because I never saw them in my personal feed. Uh, but then when I went and searched for Disney, it was like Doctor Strange and all these other movies that I'd been wanting to see, <laughs> uh, and they're just buried in Netflix. So I think they're um, they're gonna have to do more work on that front again because they solved it in the past, and now. They're like doing it again with uh, interspersed original content. Yeah, no doubt. So yeah. you you mentioned prior, and this is one of the big questions I had for you is around um, you know moving jump, uh, expanding the game model, uh, but also moving it to other devices. Uh, mm -hmm. Most I would say most of our audience we do cover PC gaming, um, you know IPC games. Some of our our uh, people I talk to do, of course, but I think most of our audience is console gamers, uh, especially sure. you know Xbox, PlayStation. The Switch is being a bigger hit than I think any anyone thought it would be. Yeah. Um, so, you know, I would love to see Jump on those platforms. Is that something that you guys have in the plans or are considering? Uh, it's absolutely in the plans. Um, what I can say is that we're talking to one of the big three already um, about Excellent. bringing it to that service in 2018. Um, it's an interesting, uh, it's like very different than and going to mobile or going to um, desktop because it's closed systems and so we have to strike deals with the platform first and then with developers to bring it over but it's another one of the beauties of our tech is that we can go to any platform um, what we do is basically build a, a thin client for whatever device it's running on uh, like the desktop app you see now uh, we can wrap that up for any other device and then um, it bundles all the tech that we need to deliver the games and the games will run on any device that they support so um, it's really about delivering the game that uh, or a game to work on whatever form factor it's meant to work on. So if a game has controller support, uh, like already in the desktop version, we could send that same build to a console um, and it'll run. So the developer would have to do no work to get it to run on that console, uh, which is pretty awesome. So absolutely, we have plans to go to um, those devices in the future. Um, it'll just be um, us announcing it at the right time as we get those deals in place. Yeah, yeah, that's interesting. It's good to hear. Um, one of the things, uh, you know, as much as I've used a computer in my lifetime and games on a PC, when it comes to faster games, I am still terrible with a keyboard and mouse. <laughs> yeah. So, um, you know, I, I just prefer a controller. I, I grew up with it that way. And um, so it would be interesting to see, you know, whatever platform you, you come to or whether you come to all three, um, you know, whether developers kind of support that controller. Because I know a lot of the smaller PC or smaller indie developers are PC, right? And they design their mm -hmm. games for keyboard and mouse and native controller support can be an additional uh, development, you know, timeline that they don't may not support. So that'll be interesting. Yeah. And, and what I'll say is if you look at our portfolio today, we were actually pleasantly surprised with the number of games that do support controllers. I did see uh, that. Yeah. <laughs> like probably 60 or 70% actually support controllers. So um, we'd have a healthy library if we went to consoles today that would already start. But um, you're right. It's, it's a per game basis. And especially if you look at the transition from something like desktop to mobile, obviously only certain games would work with touch control. So we're not going to like force 
virtual controls onto a shooter and say, hey, it works. Right? It's, uh, everybody kind of hates that experience. So every game that runs on certain devices are, are going to be like built for that form factor. We're not going to force games onto devices they weren't meant for. So yeah. keeping that user experience um, crisp, uh, just like uh, we're trying to do in everything else, would be the same thing when we go to multiple platforms. And, and probably one more thing I can mention about multiple platforms is since we can deliver games to uh, multiple devices, we also allow you to take your save data with you from device to device. So um, you can even do that right now between like your desktop and your laptop, but that'll also be true across multiple devices, as will multiplayer. So it's up to the developers to enable or disable however many platforms they want to compete with each other. Um, like you said, it'd, it'd probably be unfair to put a, a first-person shooter between <laughs> consoles and PCs. We know the PCs would win, but um, it's uh, something that you know we'll leave up to the developers. And cross-platform multiplayer and save data are both uh, very doable on Jump. Yeah, that's. I mean, it just makes sense, right? It's part of the part of the way the server-based games and and data in general are stored today. Yeah. Um, uh, it's interesting you mentioned that though, because you know uh, Microsoft earlier this year started the whole crossplay thing uh, on their platform on Xbox Live, mm -hmm. and I I've played. I'm a big Gears of War player, and so sure. I play with a controller. But I I know I've played against some PC guys, and I'll see the replay of them, and you just see the camera just you know like swerving, <laughs> and it's like it's like oh man, like I'm at a disadvantage here. Um, yeah. But, yeah, I'm a, um, I grew up with consoles too, and uh, I've been really addicted to PUBG lately. It's like my nightly ritual with one of my designers. And I've, I, get, I think that's everyone. Like I've heard yeah. from everybody. I actually was at a PUBG tournament this weekend. It's funny. Yeah, it's a rough addiction. Uh, but you know, we, um, we like my designer and I are just getting to the point where we can win games um, <laughs> because I'm so used to playing with a controller. So I was at the significant disadvantage trying to play with a keyboard and mouse for a while and. I'm adjusting, but uh, yeah, it'll be interesting to see what people do when we open up cross-platform <laughs> yeah, on Jump. I don't want to get us off track too much, but I've got some buddies playing PUBG on PC, and they keep asking me to play, and I keep saying, no, I'm actually waiting. It comes out next Xbox next week, and I'm like, oh, yeah, I'll, pl right. I'll play once it's on Xbox, and I can use my uh, controller, because otherwise <laughs> I'm going to be useless, you know, out there. <laughs> so it's, it's a rough world. But, uh, yeah. <laughs> um, so I did see some rumblings around you guys are ready to support uh, VR um, and developers who want to bring their VR game to Jump. Um, I don't know the full details. You can help me here. But uh, uh, basically, you're waiting for a certification of, of some type of development. Uh, you may correct me there. Yeah. Uh, so it's, what we've done is um, like we want to be able to support VR games. But since we're a web platform, we have to wait for this new tech called WebVR to come into mainstream browsers. And particularly, our app is Chromium-based. So it's like the open source software that Google Chrome is based off of. Um, so our app has Chromium wrapped into it. And um, Firefox has already launched WebVR support. So you can play VR games via your Firefox browser today with oh. your Vive and your Rift, which is super cool. Um, but Chromium hasn't done it yet. So we have to wait for Chromium to launch WebVR in their browser. And then we can install it in our app and enable VR games, um, which is awesome. I mean, it, it's it's very little work on our end to introduce it. Um, what we did have to do is build an export template from Unity, uh, and we'll do Unreal next because we can support Unreal games too. But um, the game engine, since, since WebVR is so new, um, the game engines don't support an official export yet. So mm -hmm. on top of waiting for Chromium, we also had to build an export out of um, Unity for WebVR. And luckily, uh, we're very friendly with Mozilla. And uh, a guy over at Mozilla and I, because I'm, I'm a former developer myself, 
Um, and the guy over at Mozilla and I built a template so that uh, Unity developers can export to Jump. Wow. Um, so we've got a number of developers lined up that are excited about it because I think VR developers are getting hit the hardest with this boom of content because that market hasn't quite figured out pricing yet, and so a lot of people are still overcharging, right? It's like 20 bucks for an hour-long game. Right, yeah. uh, And so they're looking for ways to better connect with their users, and people that own headsets like me um, would love to be able to play more content without spending 20 bucks a pop. So um, there's a lot of interest. Even in our AMA, we had interest from both developers and gamers in the VR space, so we're excited about that. We just have to wait for the right things to line up, and. It's looking very much like early 2018 um, for that timeline. So we don't have an announcement from Chromium yet. We're still waiting to hear when that's going to go live. But um, as soon as it does, we'll be ready. Yeah, I mean, it's good to hear that it's it's not shouldn't be far off then, I guess. Yeah, um, uh, we lo we wanted to do it at launch, and it just didn't. Uh, Firefox did it, and Chrome didn't. So we uh, <laughs> we have to wait. But uh, but that's all right. Gotcha. Um, I also saw something about. Um, you know, you guys were considering um, creating like an offline mode, um, something yeah. where, um, you know, I guess maybe you'd be using HD space at that point. Um, what, what was that like? So uh, we'd love to do offline for when you're traveling or just away from a connection. But what it ties into is um, a feature that we're going to introduce probably in the next couple of months, which is uh, game caching. So um, we originally planned on launching it around uh, um, our launch window and reprioritize some other things. But what we built is essentially a custom browser cache where as you play games, we will allow you to choose how little or how much of your hard drive you want to dedicate to storing jump games. So you can choose um, zero megabytes and it'll load all the games directly from our server like it does now. Or you could choose, say, 10 gigabytes. And then the last 10 gigs of games that you've played will be stored locally. Um, so for offline mode, that applies directly there, right? You could pull down some games before you traveled. Um, they'd be stored in your cache, and then you could play them offline. We just have to build in some authentication stuff to do that. And I think we'll be able to do that in 2018, uh, just like how uh, I think Netflix and Spotify both have offline modes now. So mm. we'd like to have it too. But that's how that'll work, right? You, you choose how much of your hard drive you want to dedicate uh, to jump games, and you can pull some down. And, and for offline mode, you'd be able to travel with them. But what it means in the short term until we um, enable offline mode is that any game that is stored in your local cache once we launch this, um, it'll load instantly as opposed to pulling from our servers and taking even 60 seconds. So as on demand as loading is game or as loading games is right now for jump, it's going to get even faster if you're loading the same game over and over again, because you won't have to wait for it to pull from our servers. You'll be able to load it directly from your hard drive. So saves you time and saves you um, uh, data and you just choose how little or how much of your hard drive you want to dedicate to doing that. So you don't have to do that at all if you don't want any hard drive space or if you got a terabyte hard drive and you got some space to spare, you can load your games much faster. Wow. Yeah, that's, again, I think that's a great way to do it. Um, you know, I've got several hard drives laying around just this room, so I'd probably, <laughs> you know, open that up. Um, but no, for other players, uh, you know, who, who don't mind or have a slower connection or, no, or maybe an older hard drive or something, that's, yeah, it's good. So yeah, and um, that's, you can see how that applies to offline mode too, right? So it's basically the same thing. Um, I just wanted to make sure I answered your question fully on that one. Um, oh, no, you did. You did. Okay, great. Uh, yeah. <laughs> It'll work exactly the same. We'll just have to do some security stuff to make sure we're, we're checking to see when you log back in. <laughs> yeah, that makes sense, of course. Yeah. Um, all right. So anything else that you want to share we didn't touch on in coming in 2018, you know, that you guys are, are looking to do? 
Um, I think the biggest things for us are moving into additional platforms and introducing uh, additional types of games. So uh, we've got a great lineup of, of awesome indie games. We have uh, three different, usually, criteria that we look at for games, just so that everything on our service is curated and meets a certain quality bar. So uh, whether they're either highly rated, they're award-winning, or they're just runaway hit sellers. Um, so we're going to build on that library going into 2018 and start adding other types of games that aren't just indie, um, whether that goes all the way back to our childhood as a hint or whether that moves forward into uh, much larger scale games. So um, as we start to scale up on games, though, I think it's important to note that um, indies are always going to stay at the forefront. Um, we want them to get ample time in the sun and especially the good curated ones that, that make our platform. Um, we want them to be right next to any you know, AAA or retro or, or other types of games. Um, uh, so indies will always be at the forefront, even as we add more content. But adding more content attracts more users, so it's good for the indies, too. Um, so adding more types of games, um, adding more games in general, and uh, expanding to other platforms is a big push for us. We're also going to look at offline mode and other features, like social features, to have friends lists and things like that. And we'll build those into the timeline for, um, for 2018 as well. Um, but closing out the year, um, if, I think we wanted to talk about the promotion we're running now, so I can I can touch on that. Yeah, please do. Um, yeah, so uh, it would jump is normally ten bucks a month at nine ninety nine right now. If you sign up between uh, Black Friday and New Year's Eve, then uh, we're doing it at five bucks a month for a year. So um, almost no money for the price of a beer or a sandwich <laughs> or something five dollars related um, for Cindy's favorite analogy. Um, then uh, you can get jump in over 80 indie games. We have 80 games live now. We're launching at least two more every week. Um, so usually six to 10 a month is, is the target. And uh, it's a great time to join, right? There's a bunch of great games. We just launched Nidhogg and um, Cook Serve Delicious is coming this month. So oh, nice. some really great, uh, some indie hits are starting to make their way onto it. Um, and, and now is definitely the time. It comes with a 14 day free trial. Um, you can cancel any time. There's no risk whatsoever to get into it and just give it a shot. So uh, we'd highly recommend uh, people trying it. And uh, just to be clear, the site is playonjump.com, right? That's correct. Yep. Okay. So you can come there, and within five minutes, you could be signed up and have the client ready and be playing games. It's a really quick turnaround. Excellent. And I also wanted to mention developers. You know, they're the key Absolutely. focus here. So if uh, if I'm a single person developer coding a game right now, how would I get in touch with you? You know, to make sure or to see if I could uh, have a potential to jump. So you can reach out to us through any social media channels. But if you're ready to submit a game, uh, we have a line that goes directly to our content team. It's just submissions at playonjump.com. So if you um, have a game you want us to take a look at, whether it's launched or not. We'll find the right time for it to come to jump, and we'll make sure it's a fit for our audience, and, and we'll work with you um, to make sure we can make it happen. Um, and what I'll say is that um, almost any major engine can be ported to jump, too. So if you're working in Unity, Unreal 4, Game Maker, Construct, even native C and C++, um, all of those types of games can be ported to jump. Um, so we're, we're happy to talk to you. Um, we're always looking for new content to add to the service. Great. That's good stuff, Anthony. Um, yeah, I, like I said, I've enjoyed it. Uh, I've recommended it. You know, we've covered it on our site a few times, and I just really wanted to say thank you for the conversation. Um, I enjoyed it a lot, and uh, you know, hopefully, when we get into 2018 and uh, you guys expand and we talk about how you're doing, well, we can uh, we can revisit this conversation maybe middle of next year sometime. That'd be great. I really appreciate you having us and taking the time, and, and can't thank you enough for the promotion. You know, it's. When we're little guys, it's it's really important um, to get all the exposure we can. So um, we'd love to to come back when we 
I have more fun things to talk about in 2018. <laughs> and I wanted to uh, talk about the little extra box on the screen here named Cindy. Oh, yeah. um, so I just wanted to say a thank you to Cindy Lum, the global PR uh, manager at uh, Jump for coordinating this as well. So shout out to you, Cindy. Um, but Thanks, thank you always. again. <laughs> so thank you again and uh, I'll be in touch and uh, for everyone watching or listening um, you thanks for listening in and as always stay tuned to season gaming for uh, news and developer insight thank you thanks Ainsley